Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, police responded to a bomb threat earlier today at the St. Croix Educational Complex High School. Officers arrest a 23-year-old St. Croix man for the murder of Chandler Frenchie Heath, a St. Thomas man killed in January. Senators vote to allow the Commissioner of Education to hire school health technicians for schools in the territory to address the shortage of medical professionals on campuses. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. Students of the St. Croix Educational Complex High School and Career and Technical Education Center had class time disrupted after emergency services responded to a fraudulent bomb threat earlier today. The incident began with a call shortly after 11 a.m. indicating a potential bomb threat to the school campus. School officials immediately contacted 911 and initiated an evacuation and security procedures, with students being escorted to the University of the Virgin Islands campus across the street. The Virgin Islands Police Department conducted a sweep of the campus and found no evidence of danger on the premises. The incident is under further investigation by the Virgin Islands Police Department. Earlier this year, on January 29th, at approximately 10 p.m., the Virgin Islands Police Department's Major Crime Unit on St. Thomas was assigned to investigate the murder of Chandler Frenchie Heath, a tow truck operator who was killed in Bolongo Bay that evening. Investigation led to the identification of a suspect, and a warrant was obtained for the arrest of 23-year-old Kwasim Christian, a reported contract killer. Mid-morning yesterday, Mr. Christian was seen in Estate Mountain on St. Croix in a Water and Power Authority truck, and a traffic stop was made in the vicinity of the industrial park on Melvin Evans Highway. Mr. Christian works for the Water and Power Authority and was arrested without incident for murder in the first degree. He was processed and unable to post his bail in the amount of $1 million. He was transported to the John Bell Correctional Facility pending an advice of rights hearing scheduled for tomorrow, December 8th. St. Croix Police Chief Sean Santos stated the arrest shows the communication between the islands given the incident occurred on St. Thomas and the arrest was made on St. Croix. He continued that officers exercised caution with the arrest given the rise of, as he says, officers being violently challenged. In response to the arrest, WAPA CEO Andrew Smith said the authority was working closely with the Virgin Islands Police Department to gather accurate information given the arrest took place while Mr. Christian was at work. During a Committee on Health, Hospitals, and Human Services meeting, lawmakers heard testimony on a bill sponsored by Senator Diane Capehart that would allow a family or household member, law enforcement officer, healthcare worker, educator, or co-worker to intervene and file a court petition to temporarily confiscate and ban a person's access to guns. The confiscation would last for one year if that person is deemed to be a risk to themselves or others. Commissioner of Health Justa Incarnacion expressed some reservations with supporting the current language of the bill, stating that red flag laws can often come with stigmatization related to mental health matters. The apprehension of legal repercussions linked to these laws might discourage individuals requiring vital assistance from seeking it. 
thereby undermining endeavors to cultivate a climate of openness and support for individuals grappling, grappling with mental health difficulties. Ray Martinez, Virgin Islands Police Department's commissioner, supported the implementation of the bill. He pointed to states on the mainland that have seen success with such laws. States like California and Connecticut have implemented laws akin to red, red flag laws with encouraging results. Studies have shown a tangible decrease in gun-related incidents, particularly in cases where the potential for harm was identified early. Commissioner Encarnacion stated the Department of Health didn't oppose the bill, but the bill needed to ensure that policies of care are implemented for persons during the year the firearm is confiscated. Assistant Commissioner Nicole Craigwell-Sims says there needs to be wraparound services that identify why the firearm was confiscated and that it does not generalize all mental health issues, but identifies those that have violent history or tendencies to ensure the person doesn't spend the year, as she says, essentially sitting in anger before the firearm is returned to them. Implementation in a year would really have to deal with de-escalation, anger management, um, a lot of the DV foundational reasons that persons are taken in or arrested in the first place to identify and deal with those behaviors. Because if after a year you are reissuing the weapon and nothing had been done in a year, that person has been sitting on anger issues for a year, especially if it was a DV or family-related issue, and they can easily go back and find that family member. Senator Capehart recognized the legislation would need more amendments. This legislation, as I've been working on it, have discussion with the police the commissioner, Department of Human Services, and with that, there will be an amendment amending educators, coworkers, because we see the potential, um, you know, challenges or problems that may arise from this. So there will be some uh, uh, amendments, and as the commissioner even mentioned about appropriately making implementations um, to this legislation. So that would be done. Senator Capehart ultimately moved to hold the bill in committee as they work through the amendments. During the Committee on Health, Hospitals, and Human Services, Vice Chair Senator Kenneth Gittins sponsored legislation to allow the Commissioner of Education to hire school health technicians for every public school in the territory. Senator Gittins stated that his intention for the bill was to address, as he says, a crisis in the territory's public schools. We currently face a crisis in our schools when it comes to nurses, as we see across the nation as well. Many of our campuses do not have school nurses on site, and it has become extremely difficult to recruit and retain registered nurses. That said, I worked with the Department of Education, the Department of Health, even uh, the Board of Nurse Licensures. Victor Som, Department of Education Assistant Commissioner, responded to Senator Milton Potter's inquiry on the fundamental difference for the requirement of care given on school campuses for the technician versus a registered nurse. RNs now provide for a plethora of services to include uh, immunization records that's required for graduation that all students are immunized. They provide basic medical support. Some of our nurses even provide health education. They uh, are in contact with parents to gain information and 
in, in, in um, update uh, health records. Uh, health technicians, because of our shortages, the health technicians would provide similar functions at those schools where there are no nurses. Okay. Um, so there would be, at least as I envision, a tremendous amount of difference other than the health technician would be supervised by a district school nurse supervisor who would visit on occasion uh, that health technician who would communicate regularly through tele -option, uh, telehealth or telemedicine uh, options. To that point, Senator Potter wondered if that mode of supervision would be effective. We have learned from our experiences with virtual education through COVID, it has to be meaningful because there's liability attached. So as long as Deanne Wells-Hendrickton is commissioner and I'm assistant commissioner, they're not going to be sitting on their laurels in a, in a, in a palatial office. There, I imagine there will be requirements for them to physically visit these schools where as a health technician, and those kind of things will be monitored at the state level. We have to identify One a position minute. at the state level that would monitor to make sure that these school nurse supervisors are going out, are conducting the telehealth consultations so that we are providing the best in healthcare to our students. Assistant Commissioner Soam said if the bill were passed and implemented, it could take the department three to four months to enact it. Senator Donna Fred Gregory did have some hesitation, questioning the qualifications of the technician. As we envision it, a school health technician would have to be licensed as a LPN, or a CNA, even a CMA, and as an EMT. Those would be the categories. So you could be an LPN and apply to become a school technician based on your LPN licensure. Not only, do you, not only would you enter the position based on your current licensure as an LPN, um, CNA, or EMT, we would also, as a part of the job description, require annual ongoing uh, education in your field. So would they have to work under a, because um, I think I know what you had made, you said a district school nurse supervisor. So the district school nurse supervisor, what's their training levels? We would require that a school nurse supervisor be a registered nurse RN, right? or a physician assistant. Or a phys okay, a physician assistant. So, yes. Or a physician. We may find a retired physician who wants to come. The measure was ultimately passed and will be moved to the Committee on Rules and Judiciary for further consideration. You are listening to the WTJX News Feed. No hospital, no school, lead in the water, check the mall, wake up. We will be out here every Tuesday. The People's Choice Organization, who say they were created to highlight the corruption of the Virgin Islands government, not only protested on St. Thomas this week, but simultaneously on St. Croix and St. John. They say they will continue to organize every Tuesday from 12 to 1 p.m., calling for the resignation of government officials to include Delegate to Congress Stacey Plaskett and Governor Albert Bryan Jr. St. Croix protester Julian Vera, who was an unsuccessful candidate for the 35th legislature, rallied for the community's support and says we are fighting for the survival of the Virgin Islands. I think we need to protest just about everything that this government is responsible for because Everything seems to be out of control here. We are fighting for our survival here in these Virgin Islands. We are fighting for us presently and for generations to come, and the community needs to get involved and push back against this government that has been put forwarding a systematic violence against the people of the Virgin Islands. 
the Virgin Islands Territorial Emergency Management Agency, and the Virgin Islands Fusion Center is reported to have successfully completed the territory's first emerging threat symposium. The event that's scheduled to be held annually welcomed federal partners like the FBI, the U.S. Coast Guard, and the High Intensity Drug Trafficking Areas Program. From Thursday, November 30th to December 1st, the Fusion Center hosted presentations and tabletop exercises on St. Thomas related to emerging threats and intelligence gathering. Vitima Director Daryl Joshin said the event was essential to share information and learn from the territory's federal partners. Our Fusion Center, which is managed by Director Wayne Bryan, this is the first time we put this on in many, many years. So we call it the first one. Of course, there'll be a future one, and we'll, of course, take it over to St. Croix. But it really was an opportunity for local law enforcement, federal law enforcement, some of our key agencies, to include Department of Health, Human Services, anybody who has an interest in what we call emerging threats, uh, to get together and talk about things. It could be uh, the nexus, could be criminal, it could be health-related, uh, it could be just something that we need to make sure we have awareness in the community. A lot of the education uh, was from the federal level about uh, domestic threats that are coming out. You know, we have some uh, you know, international wars that are going on, both in Ukraine and down in Israel. Um, so we want to make sure that we're aware of the situation, the environment. We talked about even active shooter environment, what it could be, because no one's at, you know, outside of the opportunity to have an active shooter. And we want to know how to respond to that. And even we had an exercise on the second day of the conference for about a good two hours just talking about roles and responsibilities for an active shooter. And we used the scenario of a, a cruise line or cruise ship um, port event. Director Joshin said scenarios had a heavy focus on maritime events because of the territory's susceptibility of being surrounded by water. You know, having a very porous environment, we have a lot of bad actors who can come into the, the territory, whether it's being St. Croix, St. Thomas, St. John, Water Island, and really with a lot of awareness and, again, a chance for us to know each other. Because when it comes down to respond to an event, it's really amongst ourselves as the first responders to go into the uh, actions. And our federal partners have a tremendous role to play in this also. So the ability for them to share what they're seeing big picture-wise to us um, is a great opportunity to have that dialogue. So that's a, a starting point for the event, for the symposium. Back in September, the Department of Planning and Natural Resources reopened the Elaine Sproul Public Library and Museum of Cultural Arts on St. John. Amy Parco de Sorbo, the Territorial Director of the Division of Libraries, Museums, and Archives says that since the reopening, the library has truly been thriving. Sproul Library is energized. We have Pam Richards and Siamba. They're doing a wonderful job. There's been great programs going on. Every Saturday, we have book reading at 11 o'clock. That's been well attended. We've had um, schools come through and educational opportunities and, and workshops. And, and things are going really well there. The library also has a computer lab the public can access for free. The library opens every day at 10 o'clock and it's open till 7 o'clock at night. And on Saturday, we're open from 11 to 5. And we scheduled our hours because the community wanted to make sure that the library was available. But we're really seeing people like not come in after 5. So we welcome the community, you know, to come in during those hours. Director DeSorbo encourages the community to come in and get their library cards, which would also grant you access to the online library. 
we have seen a lot of people uh, have been coming in and signing up for their library cards. We have seen an increase in our patron number, our patron counts, and also people have been utilizing our digital online library, which is exciting as well. The Virgin Islands Port Authority's Marine Division's administrative office on St. Thomas has been temporarily relocated from the Edward Blyding Marine Terminal to the Crown Bay Sandfill. Marine personnel will be stationed at the Sandfill until repairs are completed at the Blyden Terminal Office, which is expected to take 30 days. The Marine Office can be reached at 340-774-2250 or by emailing the St. Thomas St. John Marine Manager, Mr. Joseph Cranston Jr. at jcranston at viport.com. The Department of Human Services Senior Community Service Employment Program is aimed at providing subsidized part-time employment for low-income senior citizens age 55 or older. Ryan Nugent, Director of Communications at the department, says the program allows enrollees to remain involved with the community. It's a way for our seniors to go back into employment, to, you know, not be bored at home, find some dignity, and also share their wisdom and guidance to those of us who are in the regular work life. Um, you might see some of them stationed at various divisions or departments throughout the government or at some other places. Um, our criteria for the program basically is those seniors who are low income, of course, but age 55 or older. And the program gives them on-the-job training. We do classes with skill development. We do trade uh, classes as well. And we prepare them first to re-enter the workforce. And then it not only allows the enrollees to be involved with the community, but it helps a lot with their mental being in a lot of ways. Mr. Nugent said that while slots are varied, he encourages the community to reach out to the department and get involved with the program. The numbers to call on St. Croix is 642-8820 or 772-9811. And on St. Thomas, they can call 774-0930, extension 4352. You're listening to the WTJX News Feed. The Department of Public Works is seeking bids for projects on St. Thomas, bids for repair, maintenance, and construction of a perimeter wall for the Western Cemetery are due by December 11th at 10 a.m., and bids to renovate the bus shelter located from the Vitima office entrance to the Snyder Regional Medical Center are due by December 26th at 10 a.m. For more information, go to dpw.vi.gov. The Department of Education is calling for parents to attend PTA meetings across the territory. In the St. Croix District, meetings will be held December 13th at 5.30 p.m. for the Eulalie Rivera and the St. Croix Central High School on their respective campuses. On December 19th at 5.30 p.m., the Alfredo Andrews and the Proby Lawson School will hold meetings on their campuses. And on December 21st, the St. Croix Educational Complex will hold their PTA meeting at 5.30 p.m. on campus. In the St. Thomas-St. John District, on December 11th, the Aller Muller Elementary School will hold their meeting at 3.15 in the school's cafeteria. On December 12th, the Charlotte Amali High School will hold their meeting at 5.45 in the cafeteria. And the Julia Sprouse School will hold their meeting on December 14th at 5.30 p.m. All other schools across the territory will hold their meeting in January after the holiday break. The Department of Agriculture is accepting applications for the 2024 Beekeeper of the Year competition. Registration deadline is Friday, December 22nd. The first judging will be held the week of January 8th through the 12th. 
Beekeepers who are interested in participating in the competition are asked to contact Miss Renee Charles at 340-778-0997, extension 3303. The Rising Stars Youth Steel Orchestra on St. Thomas will hold its holiday concert this Sunday at the UVI Sports Complex. Pre-trial intervention director Tamara Olive is inviting the community to come out and support the children. On Sunday, December 10th at 7 p.m. sharp, UVI Sports and Fitness Center, now known as the Elridge Wilborn Blake Sports and Fitness Center, the Rising Stars will be having its 42nd annual Christmas concert. This year themed a holiday tribute to our past, honoring the legend and the legacy. At this year's concert, we will be paying homage to our founder, presiding judge emeritus, the Honorable Vern A. Hodge, and also the original staff and instructors of the Rising Stars program, which started in 1981. As we continue in the news feed, we turn now to our regional report. Joseph Vinson, a dual Haitian-American citizen who lived in the United States and attended meetings in South Florida and Haiti, ahead of the assassination of Haitian President Jovenel Moise, pleaded guilty on Tuesday for his role in the murder. Vincent is a former confidential informant for the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration and is the fourth of 11 defendants in Miami to plead guilty. He faces a maximum sentence of life in prison on charges, including conspiracy to kill and kidnap a person outside the United States and conspiracy to provide material support and resources. According to charges filed by prosecutors, Vincent was allegedly close to Haitian-American suspects James Solagas and Christian Emmanuel Sanan, a South Florida resident and pastor who reports say had an ambition to replace Moise as president. Both were among the first arrests after Moise was shot 12 times at his home. Vincent said he had reached a plea agreement with prosecutors and under the terms, he agreed to collaborate with the investigation. The government said it would withdraw two accusations of conspiracy to commit offenses against the United States. Federal Judge Jose Martinez set his sentencing hearing for February 9, 2024. In our final update on the news feed, there is chance for a few scattered showers, but it's looking sunny for Virgin Islanders. Meteorologist Eric Weglars has the territory's weather forecast. Here's the latest look at the short-term forecast for the Virgin Islands. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. Bright sunshine will continue area-wide this afternoon. Temperatures will reach the middle 80s at St. Croix. Winds from the east at 5 to 10 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John, similar story. A lot of sunshine. Highs in the middle 80s. Winds from the east at 5 to 10. We'll see clouds increase overnight tonight. There's the chance for a few scattered showers at St. Croix. Temperatures will fall back to near 70. Winds from the east at 10 to 15 miles per hour. Gusts as high as 20. At St. Thomas and St. John, risk for a few more showers mainly after midnight. Lows will fall back into the middle 70s. Winds from the east-northeast at 10 to 15. Gusts as high as 20. And we'll find sunshine giving way to increasing clouds during the day on Friday. There's the chance for a shower in the afternoon at St. Croix. Temperatures reach the middle 80s. Winds from the east at 15 to 20 with gusts as high as 25. At St. Thomas and St. John, more clouds and more showers, especially late. Highs in the upper 80s. Winds from the east at 15 to 20 with gusts as high as 25. That's the latest look at your short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura-Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. If you haven't already, 
be sure to download the WTJX app. And if you miss a part of our news, you can listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.